With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into Outkick the Show, Thursday edition. Uh, I hope all of you are having a fantastic day. I know a lot of you may be listening to this on podcast. Uh, appreciate all of you who have subscribed, maybe YouTube as well, um, where our audience has been exploding. Certainly, we have a big audience on Twitter. Uh, I want to wish all of you an early Memorial Day uh, weekend holiday. Uh, thank everyone for their service. I'll be in tomorrow doing the show as well. Uh, and then maybe on Memorial Day, depending on uh, how exactly the news stories are going. But I want to start right off the top, obviously, Everybody reacting still to the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And let me just say this off the top. One of the reasons why I try to be uh, a little bit slow in terms of demanding action is because until we know the facts of what exactly took place in this shooting, it's hard to figure out what should have been in place to stop this shooting from happening. In other words, when the details are not out there, Oftentimes, whatever you say ends up not looking accurate when some of the facts come out. So if you're just listening to us on Clay and Buck, we went live and carried the press conference, which just happened with the Texas Police Forces spokesperson, uh, who was explaining uh, this incident two days ago in Uvalde, Texas. So the details, as reported by this spokesperson, are that this killer, this shooter, walked into an unlocked school door, opened an unlocked school door, walked that there was no uh, armed security that confronted him at all, that he opened an unlocked school door carrying his weapon, walked into the school, and then walked into an open classroom where he almost immediately opened fire. This is what was just told to us about 25 minutes ago. So, these kids were completely unprotected in the school, according to this report. There was no armed security that confronted this shooter. There wasn't even a locked door at the school. He simply walked up, opened the door, walked in. The kids were not then in a locked classroom The door to the classroom was open. He walked in and he opened fire almost immediately on the kids in the classroom. Police and security forces responded, according to this report, within four minutes of him entering the the, the school. Uh, There were exchanged gunfire. And then, according to this report, they did not get into the classroom for an hour. Now, That doesn't make sense to me that there would be that much of a process between when they got there and when they went in. You can go listen to the Clay and Buck show. Uh, We took calls from people who are involved in SWAT forces, and they say that's a counter to all protocol. That as soon as you hear shooting, you go all in. If they were returning and exchanging fire, 
with this guy within four minutes of his entry into the school. To me, that's where you question the police response. But again, there was not even a locked door. The classroom door was not locked. And there was no school uh, security official there. Questions that are still out there that I don't believe we know the answer to. Why was this school not locked down? If this guy crashed his car and police had been called at 11.30 to be told that there was a crash car and an armed man, why was the entire school not locked down? Uh, Did the school receive that notice? Why was that classroom door not shut? Evidently, that classroom door was incredibly powerful and very difficult even for police to get inside. In fact, it sounds like uh, the shooter used that security to lock himself in and barricade himself effectively inside of that classroom until that door was breached and he was shot and killed uh, by uh, these Border Patrol uh, officials, okay? So, why did it take an hour? Why was there an hour between when they initially uh, exchanged gunfire and when they were able to actually get into that classroom? Those are big questions. But the biggest question to me is why weren't the school doors locked? Why wasn't the school on a lockdown? Why weren't the individual classroom doors locked? And why was there no armed security at this school? Effectively, these kids were completely unprotected inside of this elementary school. This matters to me. Because if you go back and listen to uh, my show yesterday, I said, look, my kids go to public elementary school. We have an armed uh, police officer who is at the school every single day. You cannot enter any other door other than the primary front door of the school during school hours. I have to hold up an ID in order to be buzzed in through otherwise locked doors once I show my ID. I then have to get buzzed in again into an office. So theoretically, there's double locked doors to prevent someone from being able to just walk right into the school. Uh, The side doors of the school, to my knowledge, are all supposed to be locked. So, just think about this. While everybody is screaming and wanting to cast blame and everything else, this could be a situation as simple as, if the school doors have been locked, this guy can't just walk in, okay? If the classroom doors had been locked, this guy can't just walk in and try to shoot and shoot these kids, okay? If there was a school resource officer there, in theory, that school resource officer could have confronted him. If the school had been notified that there was a lockdown in effect, every classroom door should have been locked. If they weren't notified, that's another failure. Again, the primary person to blame in any shooting is the shooter himself, the murderer, okay? He is to blame. Oftentimes, we immediately rush right past the person who is the most to blame. But I think it's a fair question to ask as a parent of an elementary school student anywhere, why wasn't the school door locked? Why weren't the classroom doors locked? Why wasn't there an armed security official there? Why was there not a lockdown notice given? Why did it take all those things? Why did it then take an hour for this 
shooter to be killed by responding officers when they were inside the school exchanging gunfire with him within four minutes of his entry to the school. Now, we all know lots of awful things can happen in those four minutes. And there are reports that almost immediately he was shooting children upon entering the school and in that classroom. But there still are a lot of questions that need to be answered, but we're starting to get several answers. And a lot of the initial reports, if this report is true, are proving to have been inaccurate. Okay? So the media might well have gotten a lot of these initial reports wrong, uh, which characterizes and confuses an overall uh, difficult situation to get all the information out for, okay? Um, Again, my position on this has been I want armed police officers in every single school in America. If we can send $40 billion to Ukraine to help people there, it seems like we can pay whatever is necessary for our kids to be protected in the United States. I think every school door outside of the main entry and including the main entry of schools should be locked all day long inside of schools. Now, some of you are immediately going to think, I've got kids, I think about this too. That doesn't protect kids when they're outside at recess. That doesn't necessarily protect kids uh, when they are coming to or leaving from the school, right? Someone could stand outside and engage in violence there as well, okay? But inside of the school building itself, we need to do everything that we can to protect those kids, and it doesn't sound like that's what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Again, we don't know all the details. I can only imagine how awful it would be to be one of these parents who showed up at the school and was demanding, why aren't police going in? Why are you just waiting outside? I think all of that is valid. If the police are in any way mistreating uh, the parents who are arriving there and are terrified reasonably for what is occurring inside of the school and what might be happening to their children inside, I understand all that, which is why I think the primary police question that can be asked is, Why, if you made contact and uh, exchanged fire with this man within four minutes, did it then take a full hour for you to get inside of the classroom? All of these details matter. Why do these details matter? Because in looking at tragedy, we can try to avoid future tragedy by ensuring that we don't make the same mistakes again. It appears that every single one of these kids was effectively unprotected and that we didn't even have a locked door at the school based on the report that we just got. Think about how much different things might have been if there was a locked door. People can say, well, if there's a locked door, he could shoot uh, the, the gun and break the glass and still maybe get in. Yes, that's true. But when you hear gunshots, in theory, every teacher would think if they didn't already know, hey, let me try to lock my door. It also is possible, depending on how the door was constructed, that even if you break the glass, it's difficult for a grown man to be able to get through the door. If you have an armed security official there, when those gunshots are fired, then that armed security to try to break the glass to get in, then that armed security guard clearly has notice 
of someone attempting to make it their entrance into the school and hopefully could respond and return fire, potentially putting down that guy before he ever gets in the school in the first place, right? Uh, Also, if all of the classroom doors are locked, it sounds like the procedures were in place that would have made it very difficult for anyone to get into the classroom. So we had unlocked doors to the school, we had unlocked classroom doors, and we had no security at the school. All three of those things are flaws that allowed this situation to happen. Again, the only person who is responsible for this activity is the shooter himself, but we want to provide protection as much as we possibly can to all of the kids in that school as a parent of two elementary school kids, as the parent of three Uh, kids, 8th grade, 5th grade, and 1st grade, I think about these kind of dangers all the time, as I'm sure many of you who are listening to or watching me right now do as well. Why did it take the police an hour to get in? Fair question. That needs to be answered. Uh, But no locked door to the school, no locked door to the classroom, and no armed security guard, meaning that effectively these kids were completely unprotected inside their school when a guy a madman with a gun decided to go in and try to kill them. Uh, For everybody out there screaming about gun control, uh, look, does the gun matter? I don't know. I'm not an expert, but if the door's unlocked, if there is uh, uh, no security guard, and if the classroom doors are unlocked, any gun would have allowed this gunman to get in and kill kids. There would have been no protection no matter what weapon he had. And if he got to stay in there for an hour because he locked the door and evidently it was impossible to get in there, then it sounds like he would have been able to do whatever damage necessary, no matter what weapon he had. Again, my understanding is there was nothing to restrict this guy from being able to buy the weapons that he did. And for people out there who say, well, let's ban this weapon, let's ban that weapon. If you're intent on committing violence, you'll just buy whatever gun you want. Now, if your argument is, We need to repeal the Second Amendment and no one should be able to have any gun. That's an argument you can make. I think it's, one, virtually impossible to ever do, but two, if you feel that that is the political belief that you have, in a democracy, you have the right to advocate for that. I do not agree with that because I think if there are no guns, the people who are definitely going to have them at this point, given there are over 350 million of them, there are more guns in America than there are people, Criminals are going to get guns, right? In some form or fashion, they are going to get guns in their hands. There are too many guns in the United States now to stop that from happening. In fact, overall gun sales are skyrocketing right now because white, black, Asian, Hispanic people, law-abiding citizens, feel like their government is not protecting them and so they need to take matters of safety into their own hands, which is why the number of firearms being sold is skyrocketing. By the way, it's not rocket science. When when there is a massive amount of crime going on, then people buy more guns, right? All of you listening and or watching me right now, do you feel safe in your cities? Do you feel safe in your neighborhoods? Do you feel that crime is rising? You're right if you feel crime is rising and you feel unsafe. There is a reason for that. Your belief that things are more dangerous now than they have been in many years is true. 
And to a large extent, that's because we demonized police and we kept them from doing their jobs. One of the guys who called in uh, said, hey, in this world that we're in right now, maybe some police are afraid to go after bad guys in a situation inside of a school because they're afraid that they might shoot a kid and end up going to prison for it. I don't know if that's valid, but I do think when you demonize police in general, that you are creating situations where they are less willing to take risk to do their job than they ever have been before because they are afraid that if they make a mistake in a highly fraught, difficult situation, that they're going to be held accountable and be blamed for that mistake. So this is an awful situation, but I want all the time to get my facts right. I always say, you can agree or disagree with my opinions, but I try to always get my facts right. So I am, and again, I'm assuming that this uh, spokesperson is telling the truth, okay? I'm assuming that he's telling the truth in sharing the facts that he just did in the last hour. I am directly quoting from the notes that I took as we were listening live uh, to that press conference on the Clay and Buck show. Um, And so uh, all of that is uh, the details that I think matter in a big way. Assuming that that officer is being correct in all these details, there was a lot of misinformation, go figure, out there that has been reported that is not true uh, based on uh, these latest facts. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment, but first, this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Um, okay. Uh, shifting gear uh, a bit. Steve Kerr has sent out a, uh, an email raising money for gun control based on what just happened in this school. That is despite the fact that Steve Kerr has been opposed to there being police inside of the school. So look, the number one way, in my opinion, to protect kids in schools is to have armed security for them at the school. Look, we have armed security to go into any courthouse in America. I'm a lawyer. To my knowledge, every single courthouse just about has armed security there. Many banks have armed security. Every time you go to a sporting event, there is armed security there. Every politician who is of a high-ranking level, it feels like, has armed security with them, okay? The idea that every school in America wouldn't have a well-trained, secure uh, individual who is armed inside of their school is 100% wrong. And Steve Kerr can send out all these emails claiming that he cares so deeply about gun control. Well, guess what? The number one thing that you could do to protect kids is to, in my opinion, have armed security inside of the schools. Steve Kerr opposed that. Two years ago, in the wake of George Floyd, he spoke out to demand the removal of police officers. See, what frustrates me about people like Steve Kerr is they respond emotionally. I have not seen anyone, based on these facts, there's no gun control that is passable, 
that is legal under our Constitution that would have stopped this madman from killing kids. Not one. I haven't seen a single iota of evidence that there is a law that we could have passed that would have prevented this from happening other than armed security guards lock the school and lock the school doors. We still need to know more about why those schools weren't locked down, but Steve Kerr trying to argue raise money for gun control based on this tragedy when the gun used theoretically would have been used no matter what the law was, right? So trying to solve a problem of safety at schools, Steve Kerr's actually opposed something that based on the fact pattern now apparent at this school would have made a huge difference, which is armed security inside of the school. It's why I always say, wait for the facts. And again, I am trusting the Texas uh, police here to have shared the facts accurately with us. If it later comes out that they are not doing that, I will come back and I will update you on uh, what the actual facts are, okay? But I'm trusting them to have told us the truth right now. Uh, And based on that, Steve Kerr is responding emotionally in a way that would not have in any way actually made kids safer in the school. Um, Major League Baseball, which is what, by the way, I'm trying to do here. Fired up about Major League Baseball. Uh, 1.9 million people voted in the 2022 Georgia primaries for Republican uh, and Democrat Senate elections and governor elections and Secretary of State and more. That's almost as many people as voted in the 2020 presidential primary. It's 63% more than voted in the 2018 midterms. Why does that matter? Because we were told by Major League Baseball, Delta, Coca-Cola, Joe Biden, uh, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, that Georgia was passing a Jim Crow 2.0 bill. This is why Chuck Schumer told us we had to have federalized election law inside of the United States Senate. Now that we know that far from restricting voting, the new bill actually just strengthened the law to allow more people to vote, 63% more people voted. We reached out to Major League Baseball at OutKick and we said, Rob Manfred, you said that this was a law designed to keep people from voting in Georgia and you pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta last year, which would have uh, honored Hank Aaron. Can we get a comment from Major League Baseball now that we know that what you said would happen did not happen and in fact you were 100% wrong? Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball are cowards. They will not respond to OutKick requesting direct comment on why they were wrong last year to pull the All-Star game. What an honest person would do, what someone who is concerned with the facts, what someone who is concerned with trying to not divide America would do, is Major League Baseball would apologize to the state of Georgia, all of its elected officials, all of its citizens. It would apologize to the Atlanta Braves, and it would return the All-Star game as soon as practicable to uh, the uh, to the uh, to Atlanta. The minute that it's now uh, able to do so, that they have an ability to reschedule, as soon as it's practical, boom, you're going to be back uh, to Atlanta. We're sorry that we were wrong. Uh, the election results are in now. You can tell that voting has actually increased. It's probably going to increase maybe in 2022, even more than the number of people who voted in 2020. We'll have to see. Almost even 
almost even the total number of people who voted. Uh, the idea of this was suppression. The idea of this was Jim Crow 2.0. It was all a lie. You were lied to. And the people of Georgia bore the brunt of uh, that un- unfortunate outcome. Now, look, some people say, well, the Braves went on to win the World Series. We got to host three World Series games instead. That's great. But the Braves should have gotten to host the All-Star game and the three World Series games. They shouldn't have had to give up the All-Star game. The people of Georgia shouldn't have been attacked as they were. This is an embarrassment. Uh, Major League Baseball was wrong. They should apologize. Same thing should happen for Joe Biden, for Coca-Cola, for, uh, for Delta Airlines, for all of the corporations that got behind this lie they should all apologize because they've been proven wrong. Uh, speaking of proven wrong, uh, my good buddy Dar- uh, Darren, I need to wear eight masks everywhere for the rest of my life, Ravel, uh, tweeted out earlier a clip of Herschel Walker being interviewed on Fox News and said that he was Herschel. Um, uh, no way that he was going to win uh, the uh, Senate race in Georgia this November. Uh, based on how he thought that Herschel looked in an interview on Fox News. I saw that, uh, and I responded almost immediately, Hey, uh, Darren, I'll bet you $100,000 that Herschel Walker wins, and I'll also donate the $100,000 when I win, straight up, that he's going to beat the Reverend Raphael Warnock. And when I win that bet, I will donate all the proceeds to charity. What charity will I pick? How about the University of Tennessee NIL fund, uh, Spire Group, which I've already donated $100,000 to. I'll double that donation with the winnings from uh, Darren Ravel when Herschel Walker wins in November, and I'll make it $200,000. Not surprisingly, Darren Ravel runs his mouth and runs away from uh, a $100,000 bet with me, which, I mean, think about all the masks he could buy. Even more importantly, think about all the Martin Luther King Jr. rookie cards he could, he could get. Uh, and uh, and all the paraphernalia and all the memorabilia that's on the line if he puts his money where his mouth is. Straight up, Herschel Walker is going to beat the Reverend Raphael Warnock in Georgia. I believe that. So much so that I'm willing to put $100,000 with the proceeds going to charity in the event that he actually wins. But, of course, he's not saying anything at all about that. Uh, the NBA. The NBA is starting to go woke again. I told you they started to have a little bit of success. People started to pay a little bit more attention to the NBA. And then they're starting to go woke again. In the middle of, by the way, one of the worst Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference Finals that we have ever seen. Last night, the NBA Miami Heat uh, gave a moment of silence for the Uvalde uh, uh, victims. And then, not content with the moment of silence, they also demanded gun Uh, reform, gun control reform, and gave out a phone number for everybody to call going political during a sporting event again. Particularly because, again, before we had the facts, the facts now reflect that the gun wasn't the story here. Even if you are upset about the gun, the story is the door was unlocked, the classroom was unlocked, and there was no school security officer present. That is the story. The story also is the mass shooter is responsible for violating a slew of already existing laws. I have yet to see any suggestion that if there was some form of gun control that could pass, that this would have kept this from occurring. All right? So uh, the NBA 
uh, has decided to go woke again, get dive deep into politics. And I predict, it's not rocket science, when you go, ro- go woke, uh, you go broke from a business perspective. It is going to happen to the NBA all over again. Uh, I don't know what they're even attempting to do here. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, reportedly worked out with uh, the uh, uh, with San Francisco 49ers. And as a part of that workout scenario, uh, Colin Kaepernick may get signed by, uh, sorry, the uh, Vegas Raiders. Uh, used to be with the 49ers, obviously, Colin Kaepernick. He worked out with the Las Vegas Raiders, and he may now get signed. I welcome it. Some of you are going to say, oh my goodness, what are you talking about? You welcome it. I welcome it because I think signing Colin Kaepernick would do several things. First, it ends his martyrdom. When you're standing on the sideline with a clipboard backing up Derek Carr, it's hard to argue that you are in some way an elite-level quarterback anymore. You're just a backup. Uh, And it's hard to be a martyr when you're standing on the sideline doing nothing other than listening in your earpiece to what the actual quarterback is doing. Uh, Second part of this. I think that the wokeness associated with signing Colin Kaepernick is likely to create a huge issue for the Raiders. If I'm Derek Carr, I don't want this at all. Why? Because as soon as you have a bad game, if you are Derek Carr, the white quarterback, what happens? Everybody starts screaming that the reason that Colin Kaepernick isn't playing is because of racism. Oh, look, the white quarterback isn't playing well, but they won't put Colin Kaepernick in the game. I think it would create a woke implosion inside of the Vegas Raiders. Third, despite what idiots like Mike Florio want to argue, Florio, by the way, had all sorts of homophobic and racist jokes uh, inside of his old Pro Football Talk website. And so as a result, he's gone super woke to try to protect himself from any critics on the left. And he used to point out that Colin Kaepernick was not a good quarterback. Instead, he has now argued that Colin Kaepernick would be better than many other quarterbacks uh, would be, which is, of course, a ridiculous argument uh, to make based on all of the data that is, uh, that is out there right now. In fact, and I have, uh, I have some of those tweets uh, right here, which I think you guys will enjoy, Here's what Mike Florio, uber-woke, pretending to be uber-woke anyway because of all the racist, sexist, and homophobic things that he said on his website in the past. When Kaepernick said he'd throw at Sherman, I didn't think he meant it literally. Ha ha. If Kaepernick were truly great with a capital G, his team would have more tonight than zero with a capital Z. Anyone who is surprised by the benching of Colin Kaepernick hasn't been paying close attention to the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick doing his best Brian Mormon impersonation. These are all things that uh, Mike Florio said about Colin Kaepernick not being a good quarterback. And now, uh, because he's trying to be woke, this is what's going on. This is a total lie. Colin Kaepernick, with time to knock off the rust and prepare, would be better than any option the Seahawks, Panthers, and Texans currently have. He'd be better than any quarterback, sorry Tua, that the Dolphins currently have. He'd possibly win the job in Atlanta too. This is all a lie, and no one with a functional brain can possibly believe it. A guy who has been out of the league for almost six years, who was benched for Blaine Gabbert before he even left the league in the first uh, time, is going to be better than the option at quarterback 
that six or five teams have that are currently using quarterbacks who have been playing for many years in a row. It's not true. But I welcome Colin Kaepernick back into the league because I think it would destroy his martyrdom. And I also think that, frankly, he would stink and it would be hard to argue on behalf of Colin Kaepernick anymore. Plus, I'll just point out, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, they are a total mess, the Raiders are right now. Uh, They've had to fire a lot of top executives for shady reasons. They fired John Gruden, who, by the way, has won the motion to dismiss, uh, has won the, uh, the, the side to keep that from being dismissed. The NFL tried to dismiss John Gruden's lawsuit. They've also got players, the Raiders do, one of whom uh, tried to uh, tr- threaten to kill someone, first-round draft pick. The other one, unfortunately, Henry Ruggs, got drunk and killed someone while driving. All of that, all of that going on in Vegas right now. Who knows what else might be out there? You want woke insurance. If you're a white NFL owner, you sign Colin Kaepernick. Heck, you want a real play that would be crazy and would blow up everybody's minds? What if Dan Snyder of the now-named Washington Commanders went and signed Colin Kaepernick? I don't think there's any way that the NFL could force him to sell his team. I think he would have such woke insurance that all the woke sports media out there would have no idea how to respond if Dan Snyder went and signed Colin Kaepernick. It's a crazy move from a win-more-games perspective, but from a preserve-your-job perspective, it ain't that bad of an idea. Uh, I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, will be live tomorrow on uh, the uh, radio program. We'll have Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, among others. Friday edition headed into Memorial Weekend to honor the service and sacrifice of so many Americans out there uh, all around the country. Should be a great show. I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.